y dos. Y dos. Una. Y dos. Y dos. Hello and welcome to Cortez NYC Livestream, the podcast. This show broadcasts twice a week out of New York City. We are your hosts, Cortez NYC. And Carla de Puerto Rico. And on the show, we talk about art, creativity, city life. From a Latino perspective, I'm a visual artist. And I'm a singer. And this is episode 18, Arriba Mexico. As always, you guys can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean. Don't forget to leave us a review and rate our podcast on iTunes. And you can also find us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr. And also, if you guys are interested, I have a merchandise page, which is CortezNYC.BigCartel.com. And there you can find, right now, I have currently four posters up, but very soon I'm working on a relaunch, yeah. which I'll have new merchandise available. Very excited. Yeah, I'll be working, I've been working with some people trying to get some merchandise together. Um, but in the meantime, you guys can check that out. And also, a big shout out to Visine Queen. Yeah. We recorded, we have something in on on cue uh built with her and dr greedy in the last episode and coming up also we're going to have a few more guests so stay, stay tuned, tuned. <laughs> all right so this show is in preparation for this little pre-game for cinco de mayo mm -hmm. cinco de mayo is a national holiday uh, in celebration it's become like a Mexican day like yeah. the day of the Mexicans or to be Mexican or to celebrate Mexicanality eat tacos drink beer <laughs> do all that stuff yeah. and um, so in preparation for that we decided to do an art talk about Mexican artists um, I have always been a fan of the Mexican muralists I've always felt a connection to them through mural art and graffiti, I mean, if you look at a lot of graffiti art, it looks like it's taken inspiration from Mexican muralists. Um, you can't deny the connection, um, the characters, the uh, storytelling, the narrative element to it, where you see multiple figures, you know, in, in very complicated compositions. Mm -hmm. um, I've definitely taken inspiration from that. If you see my, some of my pieces, you know, you would you would see that I'm, I'm I have that in my, in my subconscious as I'm creating compositions. I'm trying to fill up entire pages with multiple figures. Um, and um, so I figured I will, I will highlight the three big Mexican muralists. And also I am going to highlight two graffiti artists of Mexican descent that I think you guys should know about if you don't know about them already. Nice. So let's start with yes. the big three, the Mexican muralists. From the 1920s, they are called Los Tres Grandes, the big three. That is Diego Rivera, Jose Clemente Orozco, and David Siqueiros. They are, I guess, the most famous of the Mexican muralists. They, I'm sure there were others, but these were the most famous. They were painting in the 1920s. You know, I don't have an extensive knowledge of their history, but I'm, I'm more a fan of their work, of their artwork. Um, but it seems that they were part of a movement that was established in Mexico after the Mexican Revolution, uh, shortly after the Mexican Revolution, to promote um, a, kind of like a unification amongst the people, um, bringing the art to the street, to the people, telling stories about their history, kind of like 
almost like I want to say like recapping a recap, a visual recap of what the country what just went through. Yeah. Um, almost like a healing process in a way, but also a reaffirming process in another way, because what they painted about wasn't just historical. It was also the dark side of, of their history. Um, some of the artists uh, like Siquero was a little darker in his interpretations. Uh, Diego Rivera was a little more optimistic and more looking at a more like a textbook, like an encyclopedia of Mexican history, while the other guys were a little more closer to the ground level on what happened in the actual civil war and some of the the, the strain on, on, on the human psyche. Yeah. Um, if you look at their pieces, they're, you know, very abstract. It's very chaotic. You know, they have a lot of things going on. Um, so... I think we'll, let's start with Diego Rivera of those of those three. I think Diego Rivera is the most known. I think everybody knows him as Frida Frida Kahlo's husband. Yeah, you know her lover. <laughs> her lover. Well, husband also. They married. Yeah, yeah. But the relationship is shown as crazy. So yeah. Right. Uh -huh. um, I think he's the most accessible accessible um, of the three muralists, Mexican muralists, mm -hmm. because of the Frida Kahlo connection. I think Frida Kahlo is very accessible to a lot of Americans, people who don't know, or even Latinos who don't know about art, they are the most accessible. I think their personalities and their characters, um, you know, became very easy to, to remember. Yeah. Um, Diego Rivera being a very heavy set guy and a lot of publicity shots and everything with him made it very easy for people to remember him. I remember from the movie Frida, that Salma Hayek movie, mm -hmm. they, they depict Diego Rivera in a way that is, I, I it's, you know he's a little bit of a scoundrel but i think that movie was a good is a good opener mm -hmm. to understanding maybe a little bit of the mexican muralists and in that movie they also show i think orozco and siqueros i think uh antonio banderas plays one of them um and they show them you know talking politics and whatever but the movie's not about that it's about frida so you know it's not really focused on them if you do a little research on diego rivera you're gonna see from his paintings that he really tried to show a, a broad picture of, of Mexican culture from the po politicians to the, uh, to the indigenous people to the ancient history. He, he tried to show the humanity of, of the Mexican people. Um, he tried to show the workers. He showed, you know, some of, like even his most violent looking images aren't that violent. Everything's very peaceful and, and uh, it's kind of like it's definitely storytelling you know you can see that he's trying to he's trying to make the history interesting to look at but easily digestible you can easily accept the information you know he's not trying to challenge you visually he's trying to allow you to accept the information um, his compositions are great his color his color usage is great um, he's he, in every way I think Diego Rivera is a master just like Michelangelo was a master of mural painting and I think there's some similarities mm -hmm. to what a Sistine Chapel is and what Diego Rivera was doing at his time for his people. Um, there's a lot of similarities in, in the kind of work that they were doing. Yeah, and I think that all his murals, always they were full of people. Or oh, not yeah. full of people, it's full of structures or forms and things to show maybe... Mexico at that time and everything that happened and 
Also, everybody that it was part of society, like he never left behind somebody just because of their color, the color of the skin or whatever. Oh yeah, everybody was part of the picture. Yeah, I think that was that was part of their their politics was accepting their indigenous background, um, mm -hmm. not letting that you know go behind. I mean, I you know, I'm not Mexican. I'm not born and raised in Mexico. I don't I don't really know what the real story is in Mexico as far as how indigenous people are really, you know, the relationship with Mexican culture and indigenous people. But mm -hmm. this is what he was portraying in his paintings was an acceptance of the indigenous background and and uh, representing them in the murals along with all the other people of the Mer of the uh, Mexican history. I think that's yeah. that's powerful in his pieces. Yeah. Um, personally, what I like about these Mexican muralists and Diego Rivera, and I think you said it, is... Um, The amount of people in his in his compositions showing a mass of people, mm -hmm. you know, it's powerful to look at. When you look at all these people on those paintings, it's like you're looking at an entire cast mm -hmm. of, yeah. of people. You're looking at civilizations. Yeah. You know what I mean? And 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 he makes them all unique. You know, he tries to really represent um, multiple human beings. Mm -hmm. You know, at once working together or or struggling together, exactly. but. But uh, I think that's there's something about that that's very powerful, and um, you know I, I I'm sure that as I get older and I slow down a little bit and I do a little more reading and a little more research, I'm probably going to get more into them because to this day I still feel that they influence these artists, these Mexican muralists influence what I what I think of as fine art. Mm -hmm. um, even if I'm not completely exactly influenced by them, I do. There's something about their aesthetic that I feel is fine art more than stuff that I see with contemporary artists that are doing abstract stuff or whatever. Um, um, all right, so moving on to one of the art other artists, um, Jose Clemente Orozco is one of the other artists. Now, he, Jose Clemente Orozco, his, his work is a lot more turbulent. Um, it gets more abstract. Um, You feel you feel a more like a violent edge to it, a lot more powerful, more grim. There's an amazing uh, image of like these skeletons um, and like these doctors, and it it's, it's like it, things are very. It's a it's I guess it's a dark look, a grim look at what was going on at the time, and a, and a, you could tell that he's definitely throwing an obvious criticism to institutions. And he's not holding back. He's making it obvious. Uh, there's a, there's another powerful image that has like this. Uh, it looks like this uh, powerful figure, you know, lo looming over a horizon, you know, cloaked in black. Um, and these images are haunting. Like when you see them, and I'm sure if you saw them in the in the real mural in, in life, in real life, you would. It has to give you an impact to see these giant figures, um, you know, looking down at you. And so dark. And so dark, exactly. Jose Clemente's work, I think his colors are really intense. His compositions have so much movement. There's definitely images of like, you know, people laid out, they look like they're dead. And I think that is also that life and death struggle and all that. I think that's something that when you look at his paintings, you feel like you want to get into the subject matter and try to find out more about it. But I, I still think that Diego Rivera's work, to me, is is more refined in the sense that it it, it it's you can get into it more you 
you get into the story a little more. Um, the chaos that, uh, that Orozco does is very interesting, but can probably throw a lot of people off. And I think that's something that would, would hold me back from getting into his stuff. Um, I know that they had different political views and I, I don't know the details, but I do know that they had some politi different political views. Um, I know that uh, between the three artists, I think two of them were communist. One was, I think was Marxist. Uh, like they had their own differences amongst themselves, but they were part of the same movement, which is interesting to, to know that, mm -hmm. you know, that you can disagree with your peers and still be united in a movement even if they weren't united at the hip, you know, together painting and all that, but they were put together by art historians. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's interesting. Um, so Jose Clemente Orozco, that's one of the other ones. Um, then the other one is David Siqueiros. David Alfaro Siqueiros. He is similar to Orozco. He's, he's, I think he's more related to Orozco than he is to Rivera. His images are a little, little bulkier. Again, they're grim. I think his his forms are heavier. I just feel weight when I look at his work. Um, I feel the body weight, the mass of, of of people. I would even say there's something in there that I think Botero is kind of t took a little bit of that concept of making these really heavy looking figures. Mm. Uh, Botero being the Colombian artist um, who does the full figures. I think Siquero, one, one of the big ones that I always remember from him is there's this, there's this painting that he has of these like, they look like soldiers lined up. Um, and that's like a, like a part, like a scene of, a, of the revolution or something. And, and the way that he lined them up and he gave them perspective, um, all you see is at a certain point, all you see is hats and these hats begin, begin to become abstract shapes. So like your eye kind of plays a, it plays a trick on your eye when you're seeing the, the main, let's say, three or four soldiers. And then the rest are just these abstraction of shapes. And it just gives you this, this feeling of like, what if it would be like to be in front of this mass of people, you know, coming at you, you know, standing in front of you. Um, something interesting about that. Um, so, yeah, so these, these three muralists, I mean, I, I, the podcast is too short to really get into <laughs> too much of their history. Carla, what do you know about the, about the Mexican muralists? Well, the only one that I really knew about was Diego Rivera because I think he's... Because like you said, his relationship with Frida makes him an important um, muralist and artist in general and personality. He's almost like a celebrity more than what we know about his art. Uh but yeah, like I said, I liked his, the, the murals that I saw, I liked them because they, they were full of people and there were so many different faces and so many like different expressions on the faces of the people that were in the mural that it's just amazing to see that somebody at that time that was... 19, what, 1920s? 1930s? It was in the 20s. Yeah, 20s, 30s. To think that somebody would think that big and would do it in a mural. Yeah. Um, that I think that's something that always I think about, that these paintings, they look so modern. They look so... This can be in a, in a, in a wall now. Yeah. anywhere right now. Yeah. And you see them from that time... And, and you can see and you can relate to them. It's just amazing. I, I think 
I think the fact that they didn't do perfectly photo real images uh-huh. but, but they kind of still have their own signature cartoon style i think that also helps to make them timeless yeah because if true. they were perfectly photo real i don't know if they would appeal to everybody mm-hmm. i think people would start judging their photo reality mm-hmm. you know they would like technically judge them and mm-hmm. say well they weren't photo real enough mm-hmm. and they would and that would overshadow the content mm-hmm. of what they were trying to say um when i look at their stuff i also think Man, like, the, what if these guys had spray paint? You know, I know they were doing everything by brush, and they did these amazing, amazing paintings by brush, and they're, they're gigantic. And I, and I look at that and I say, what if they had spray paint back then? What would they have done? You know, right. how they would have probably done amazing work with spray paint. Mm-hmm. You know, having those tools available. Um, I also get the impression when I see these three artists um, that the message—it reminds me that the message is more important than the technique or the media Mm -hmm. um i'm sure that if at that time they had access to making films themselves maybe or video or i don't know other mediums that were very accessible to them i'm sure that they would they would use that those mediums to the fullest right um for whatever reason they were mural, mural artists and they used that medium to the fullest but their message was stronger than than mural art itself um and maybe that's why we can look at them today and say yeah i understand even if i don't know the full story i understand what they were trying to say with this and that and relate to them yeah i mean when you think about mural art in like when somebody tells you us the in brooklyn they're doing a, a community project they're doing a mural community project you already kind of imagine this kind of look yeah you know it influenced what mural art could be yeah um i think when you see some not all but some of the street artists doing stuff today you do see that influence Mm -hmm. um i think unfortunately some of the street artists nowadays don't tap into their own voice Mm -hmm. as much as they could um but there are some out there that do it and and i i can see the influence and i can see the inspiration of that um But I think the message is the most important thing. And I think people going through a struggle, a real struggle, like a revolution, you know, a war, a physical war and coming out on the other side with the will to paint and to create and to share art and celebrate the fact that they're living, you know, and that they they achieve something. I think that's a big deal. Um, I don't know that if I was in the middle of a war, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I would come out at the other side and say to myself, yeah, I'm going to start painting right now. You know, I I think that takes that shows a lot of willingness to live, and maybe that's another thing that inspires people is their willingness to live and express themselves and show, you know, they're, that they're still there, present. You know, and like you said, like each one had their own story. Um, some were having maybe a, a difficult time. Maybe they lost a lot of people in the war. And that's why they presented like a darker image of whatever was left after the war. Yeah. And then some maybe saw some hope after the war. Yeah. So that's another thing for them to have the freedom so to say, okay, I'm going to do this mural and it's going to be about this. Yeah. That That's another important point. Yeah. All right. So those are the those are the big three. Los tres grandes, the big three of Mexico, of um, Mexican muralist movement. Uh, Diego Rivera, Jose Clemente Orozco, and David Quieros. And now let me talk to you about two 
graffiti artists. I say graffiti artists. I know that they, they'll, you know, they'll say street artists um, of Mexican descent. I don't. One of the artists I know personally. The other one I don't know personally. Um, but I do know that they are, you know, working artists in, in, in the United States, but they also are from Mexican descent. Um, so one of the artists um, that I do know is Marka, Marka27. You can find them on Instagram. It's M-A-R-K-A underscore 27. Uh, his, his full name is Victor Marka27 Quinones. Uh, if you see on his Instagram, he says he's an artist from Juarez, Mexico. Um, and I know him through uh, my cousin, T-Rex. Um, he introduced us. Uh, Mark is an amazing artist. He's an amazing muralist. Uh, he also designs uh, like figurine, like vinyl toy kind of uh, figures, sculptures. Um, his art is really amazing. I, I, I give him a lot of respect because I know that he has a, a, a genuine graffiti background and really transitioned into mural making, but his mural making still has that graffiti feeling, that that geometry and that that uh, that graphic touch. Yet his figures really feel like they're alive. He has a, a really good handle on how to give uh, his, his the forms that he draws, that the people that he draws give them life. He, you know, he breathes life into them, and that's a difficult task especially on the scale and he keeps working bigger and bigger and he won't stop. He keeps going bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, wow, but yeah. his work has always been cultural. Um, this is genuine. You know, this is a real thing of his. He really, you know, this is what he's really about. And I give him a lot of credit for that. You know, shout out to Marka. Uh, you guys check him out on Instagram. I mean, this is what he's done so far. You know, if you look at his, his work so far, I just can tell that there's, we're going to, this is just the beginning. I, this is a, a career artist. This is somebody who we're going to be seeing stuff from him way into his older age. And I'm really excited to see what he'll do in the future. Um, but he's a big inspiration, and I think he should be somebody that you guys should have on your radar. Um, so the other artist I came across on Instagram is uh, Work, uh, W-E-R-C. And... On Instagram, he spells it W3, the number three, R-C. Um, work, uh, as far as uh, I can tell, I, I read an article on him. He, is, he grew up in El Paso, Texas. Um, uh, apparently he was born in uh, Juarez, Mexico. Uh, work has a style very similar to a lot of the Mexican muralists. Uh, he's definitely... I mean, I, I, if I could put Marka and work, I don't know if they know each other, but if I could put them on a wall, it would be a killer wall. It would be insane. Um, what I see work doing now is more of a simplification of his of his rendering and more style with color. I see a lot of his latest pieces. He's got this purple and violet and aqua teal colored wall with a jaguar it's very magical we were talking about magical realism mm -hmm. there's a lot of magical realism in his in his work yeah. um there's a lot of uh fusion of figures and and visuals and lighting and um it's very trippy it's very dreamy um and large gigantic his, yeah. his pieces are huge um yeah, very inspiring amazing. very inspiring um i hope maybe one day i get to meet him because he's a, definitely a great artist. Shout out to work. Um, if, and again, if you want to find him on Instagram, it's W, the number three, RC, 
that's work. He has a website also. His website is workworldwide.com. Um, but yeah, that's work. So yeah, these are amazing uh, Mexican artists, all five of them, yes, um, old and new. Mm -hmm. And I think I'll have a beer in their name on Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the name of uh, work and Marca and all the other. Arriba Mexico on this culture talk, Carla. Yes, Mexico. We're here for you, Mexico, on this culture talk. Yeah. This is our pregame to Cinco de Mayo. So, I wanted to give you guys some facts about Cinco de Mayo uh, because this episode is gonna air before Cinco de Mayo maybe you guys should know a little bit about it before going and drinking your margaritas and eating your tacos <laughs> and your coronas and your yeah. dos x and modelos and your tecates and oh yeah all that good stuff why so before we get into the facts sure what do we know about Cinco de Mayo from an outsider's perspective from yeah uh -huh. from the media perspective all I know about Cinco de Mayo from the media perspective is that on good morning America and good morning America they have, always have gonna guacamole wear, they're gonna wear the Mexican hats they're gonna yeah. do some cheesy Mexican themes something yeah they're not gonna talk about the real story no it's just like oh it's mexican day it's almost like like a halloween day yeah dress up like a mexican yeah yeah it's weird celebrate mexico but they don't even know why they're celebrating mexico and and they're almost gonna they're almost ready to do a day of the dead uh-huh <laughs> yeah almost yeah oh they're like oh if i could only pull out the skulls Coco? too <laughs> is it coco day <laughs> um but yeah. yeah and it's and it's a drinking day right it's just a. For the, for, from the outsider's perspective, it's just uh, St. Patrick's Day, Mexican St. Patrick's Day. You remember that one night that we went out because supposedly it was Margarita Day? Yeah. And all pla oh, all yeah. Mexican places, they were full because supposedly it was Margarita Day. I didn't know that it was Margarita Day until I saw the hashtag on Twitter. And I think most Latinos didn't know that either until they saw the hashtag that was probably not... Uh-huh. <laughs> it was probably promoted by like tequila yeah, brand sure. or something. So... Yeah, from an outsider view, I will say, yeah, it's just a drinking day, a good day to go to Mexican restaurants, to go to clubs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're and they're overpriced, over overcrowded, oh, yeah. and they're you know that's when they try to milk it. Um, all right, so give us some facts. What's the real story behind Cinco de Mayo? Yeah, so starting with Cinco de Mayo, it's not the celebration of the Independence Day of Mexico. What? I thought it was. Mexican Independence Day. No. It's the real story. Mexico Independence Day is September 16. Um, Cinco de Mayo is the day that is observed to commemorate the Mexican Army's unlikely victory over the French Empire at the Battle of Puebla on May 5, 1862, under the leadership of General Ignacio Zaragoza. Okay. Um, I think to say about this battle of Puebla is that this was part of the war that it was between the French and the Mexican and this this brought out like a sense of pride to the Mexican people because they were like the underdog uh. in the in this battle 
and i think that napoleon had he had an interest in gaining puebla but he couldn't do it but at the end the french did won the war it's just that this battle was so important for the mexican people that it is celebrated as something to be remembered and to be pr proud of so so it's like a fuck fuck you frenchies day uh -huh. basically yeah it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 a it's a it's a pride day of of the underdog what we can do si se puede exactly. kind of day so so yeah so like i said this battle this was a win for this battle but not for the war and the french went on to win the war and occupy um the region for five years yeah uh so another thing to know is that this uh cinco de mayo is not celebrated in mexico as a country it's not a national holiday in mexico so why is it a national holiday here yeah <laughs> but it is <laughs> but um it is a big deal for the states of puebla and veracruz where um they celebrate with parades festivals and reenactments of the battle because it happened in Puebla and I'm guessing that Veracruz is very close to Puebla and those are the two states that they're actually a state holiday gotcha. and imp it's important for them um, and, and just to be clear yeah. in, just in case I don't know anybody here in attendance today might not know what Cinco de Mayo means it literally means 5th of, of May, May. Yeah. Cinco, meaning five, and Mayo. So it's Cinco de Mayo. It's not Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> exactly. It means the 5th of May. The so it's, it's just, it's just a, a, like uh, if some big event happened, like September 11th, not to compare it to September 11th, but the same way that we remember that date. Exactly, exactly. They're remembering this huge battle and that, that the ability to fight back. Exactly. So another important fact to understand why we celebrate here in the United States Cinco de Mayo, right? Is because Cinco de Mayo became a popular holiday in the US after President Franklin Roosevelt enacted the good neighbor policy in 1933 oh, hey. to improve relations with Latin American countries. What? An American president trying to improve relations? <laughs> yeah. With Latin America? What? So this was the first time um, in my little research that I did um, this was basically the first step for United States to recognize kind of a Cinco de Mayo festivity. Okay. And then in the 1960s, 70s, and more in the 1980s, Chicano activists raised awareness of the holiday in the 1960s, in part because they identified with the victory of indigenous Mexicans such as Juarez over European invaders during the Battle of Puebla. Nice. And it was finally recognized as a national holiday in the United States in 2005. Hmm. So it is actually <laughs> it is actually a national holiday in the United States, but it's not a national holiday in Mexico. That is hilarious. It is hilarious. But I mean, I mean, I don't know the. I don't want to steer us off into other shit. I don't know the the history behind St. Patrick's Day, and if that's a holiday back in in ireland i don't know if, yeah i don't think it is i don't know if columbus day is a holiday back in italy exactly you know, i this could be just another thing another example like that of like you know american uh, mm -hmm. Ameri an american celebration to i guess 
improve relationships with the immigrants that are here. And I guess that, that, that you said the Chicano movement. Yeah. I think that's a great celebration for that movement because it shows the underdog and it shows it shows that although you know maybe the, the war wasn't won but it shows that you can do it you can mm -hmm. fight back mm -hmm. uh you know against the powerful force um even I mean, even when the odds are against you you know yeah i mean i i know like the whole history and yeah the history behind it is nice and all that but For them to make it a national holiday in, in 2005 is because they saw that people were celebrating anyways and this is a capitalist country and I feel like maybe businesses they saw uh, uh, that it was going to be beneficial for them to, oh let's say this is a, a national holiday, we're gonna sell so much, we're gonna sell so much beer, we're gonna sell so much tequila, so much avocados, all well. this stuff. So at the end of the day, yeah, it was to celebrate Mexicans, but it's also because of the money that it generates. Okay, but at the same time, you know, if uh, once you have that platform, right, you know, if you spread the information like we're doing right now, exactly, and you inform people of what they're actually celebrating, mm -hmm. you know, you can have more dialogue. Yeah, and you can also empower some people to feel pride in in. Uh, you know maybe dreaming about how to resist you right. know oppression and resist yeah i guess i guess that's the important thing about this day and about what we're doing right now is to know the facts and to know what you are really celebrating because at the end of the day if you go out that day you're becoming part of the celebration right and you're becoming part of the holiday so might as well for you to know where you're celebrating yeah i mean and also you know we all we all like to drink and mm -hmm. we all like to yeah, you course. know have a beer and have some tequila shots or whatever but but um just i think the fact that by if the chicano movement was behind it and mm -hmm. they managed to make this a national holiday just whether it was writing papers or whatever they had to do to get people to acknowledge it if them doing that made us talk about it now then they they did the right thing you know and i and i wish that other latin american countries and and latinos living in the united states whether it's colombians or puerto ricans or dominicans um or any other you know latin american country uh, you know immigrants that are living here now if if we could find ways of getting our stories into the american dialogue that's huge i, I, I like right now for puerto rico yeah you know if we can get more meaningful meaningful information about puerto rico into the american dialogue mm -hmm. even if it has to be through a drinking you know holiday or a, or a, a partying holiday or whatever it might be if that opens the door to make people acknowledge things about puerto rico's history or about you know then that's a huge thing I, and yeah yeah i understand you know you got to do it any way you can you got to take a win any way you, and i think that's the point of think with amaya right yeah you take exactly. a win any which way you can and right? and 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 i think that now people are actually They're actually in, like researching more what is Cinco de Mayo because when you look up online and you look up Cinco de Mayo, th the first page on Google is all about facts about Cinco de Mayo. So I think that people really want to know now what is Cinco de Mayo about, what, why are we celebrating it? And I think that's good. And I think, yeah, that you're right. 
and it doesn't matter the way the important thing is that the message is out there the message is out there and, and i think that's the message that the people that fought in cinco de mayo wanted is mm-hmm. get that message out there you might win you might beat us mm-hmm. but our message is out it's exactly and, that, and it's in, it's written in history which is the most important thing that's true it is in history okay so continuing with my facts <laughs> keep going um so this is something cool the world's largest cinco de mayo party is held in los angeles california and other cities that throw big celebrations for cinco de mayo are denver new york denver denver really denver new york phoenix and houston okay but i'm guessing that is because of the mexican population over there yeah yeah um so and then these are other facts according to the california avocado commission americans consume up to 81 million pounds of avocado on cinco de mayo every year you know there's a huge there's we're not (laughs) we don't know the background on it but there's a huge movement there's a marketing campaign behind avocados. Yeah, because now it's more becoming, than ever. I, yeah, now never. it's like avocados is the way to go. You have to eat avocados. Everything is with avocados. Avocados is the new avocados is the new apple pie. Avocados is the new guac is the new avocados is the new lettuce. Yeah, yeah, in many ways, yeah. Because right now everything is if you want to be healthy, when I when I've been researching a little bit about how to eat healthier, how to have a better um, diet, everything has to do with avocado. Eat avocado in the morning. Eat avocado <laughs> with uh, with your salad, with your meats. Um, avocado is the healthy fat. Yeah, everything is avocados. I mean, I'm, it, I'm guessing where are they making all these avocados? Like, I know. Where is it coming somebody, from? Somebody in the United States invested a lot into some avocado, huge industry plantation thing, and they are forcing us to eat them. But the thing is that the avocados that they're selling a lot are the avocados from Mexico. Yeah, and they're branding it avocado. Avocado from, from Mexico. Mexico. But I don't think they're coming from Mexico. Though. I don't think so either. <laughs> somebody invested in this shit and is selling the shit out of it and, and convincing us that that's what's happening. Just like Goya. The same thing as Goya. Yeah, and now Goya is, is shit. It's Goya the same thing is as Goya. Goya, Goya this, Goya that. Goya's full of shit. Goya's not coming from little uh, Spanish grandmothers from Puerto Exactly. <laughs> That's what you think. That I mean, my grandmother used to make her own sofrito. And uh, yeah, my grandmother wasn't making sofrito for fucking Goya. I know. No, I... There's there's definitely something going on there with that. I think between the avocados and the tequila, also the tequila industry... You know, it's is a big. There's a big boom in that, and, and like smaller tequila brands and mm-hmm. all that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. There, there's always something, right? There's always something behind these yeah. these holidays and this boom, this marketing boom. Yeah, and it's funny how now this food, Mexican food, guacamole, and all that, they're becoming so mainstream. Yeah. <laughs> now everybody loves it. You know what's so, yeah. you know what's also funny? What? As a Latino. Mm-hmm. On Cinco de Mayo, celebrating, the, um, you know, uh, let's say this Mexican holiday, and you end up listening to reggaeton. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I 
en salsa en merengue. You don't listen to fucking ranchera no, ni mariachi. No, that should be the day if, that's if, true. if we want to be authentic, and that's what probably the Americans or the the, the non Latinos They, would would never understand that we do understand yeah. is that that you can't fool us. Like there's a that, there's a, a basicness to it that doesn't make sense to us. It, it's not authentic. Is that you are you're celebrating Cinco de Mayo and woohooing and all this shit, dancing to Pitbull. What are you doing? <laughs> Why are you dancing to Pitbull? That's true. We're guilty of that. I know it's fun, but but it it's not authentic, and that's it what is. that's the thing. And and like growing up, like I listened with my parents to Mexican, real Mexican music. Mm -hmm. And nowadays, you're not getting that. You're getting a Cinco de Mayo with this like weird generic Latino festivity. Yeah, nothing, nothing real. But a uh, last fact. Hit me. Is that. 33.6 million U.S. residents come from Mexican heritage according to the U.S. Census. That's a lot of Mexicans. You wanted me to teach you, right? Vamos a hablar español para el 5 de mayo, Carla. I know what Espanol we're going to be saying, too. Yeah. You know what you're going to be saying for 5 de mayo? Which one? For sure? What? El anillo pa' cuando. You know you're gonna be saying that shit on Cinco de Mayo. You're gonna be like, el anillo pa' cuando. Exactly. I'm gonna be in the club like, el anillo pa' cuando. For sure. That one and and what's the other fucking song? Dura, 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 dura. Tú estás dura mano arriba porque tú te ves bien. Yeah, you're gonna be speaking a lot of Espanol on Cinco de Mayo for sure. Bueno, vamos a empezar con muralist. For which one? <laughs> muralist. How do you say muralist? In Spanish, I would say probably muralista. Yes. Wow, I was gonna say that you were gonna trick me with some pintor or some gra graphic something. No. Very simple. Okay, muralista. Muralista is a muralist. Yes. Got it. How do you say Mexican? Ah, oh, mexicano. Ooh. I like when you say ooh. Nice. <laughs> Next one, painter. Painter. Pintor. Yes. Next one. Yes. Renaissance. Shit. Renaissance? Yeah. We were talking about the Renaissance? Yeah, the Mexican Renaissance. Mexican Revolution, but... No, Ren and the Mexican Renaissance of murals. <laughs> <laughs> Renaissance. Con los tres grandes. Oh, los tres grandes hicieron el uh, blanco... Mexicano. Wait, I think I do know it. Rena Renacimiento. Yes. I heard this. You told me this recently. Yeah. You did. Renaissance. I have to remember that that the the Renaissance is the birth, the rebirth, and rebirth, yeah, exactly. nacimiento, and then I remember it. Renacimiento. Got it. Cool. How do you say revolution? <laughs> Revolución. Yes. Lo que tenemos que hacer todos los latinos. Revolución. Vamos a revolucionarnos, mi gente. All right. Okay. Next one is social. Social, social. Yes. Next one is positive. Positive, positivo. Yes. I'm on it. Next one is critical. Critical, critical. Yes. No. Critical. Critical. No. Wow. Okay. Crítico. Crítico. Critical. 
because one of the painters he was critical with his painting so he era crítico criticaba la situación oh so he was criticizing mm-hmm. estaba criticando the situation in, the, uh, in his paintings it was critical yeah crítico crítico okay alright I learned something right there Next, you got me thank you next one is battle how do you say battle battle mm-hmm. batalla yes batalla good how do you say avocado <laughs> that's a good one because that one you gotta stop and you gotta switch you gotta switch over to Spanish mm-hmm. to real Spanish to real Spanish avocado is aguacate yes that one always trips me up it's Why? not it's not the same avocado to aguacate aguacate is agua water yeah because I mean these are the, the little the avocados that they're little they have more flavor but the avocado there's other type of avocados that are actually bigger we have them in Puerto Rico and they're very like watery and right. I think that's where it comes from probably it's got to I mean aguacate why would you call it agua something aguacate aguacate is avocado from Mexico <laughs> next one is celebration oh that's a good one celebración yes celebración next one is five <laughs> now you're just playing <laughs> cinco <laughs> next one is may I'm gonna kill you <laughs> we're gonna be here all day with this may is mayo Christian, I know you know but there's okay. people out that's there true, that they true. don't know cinco mayo you're gonna tell me the next one's de no. <laughs> of. How do you say of? <laughs> no, 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 no. Right. Next one is holiday. Oh, that's a good one. That makes me think. That makes me pause. Holiday. Mm-hmm. Holiday is. A tip is that it's not just one word. It's um, a composed it, word. Exactly. That, and that's why it's gonna throw me off. It's not like a, a literal. It's probably not a literal translation. Holiday. Well, holiday in English is holy day, right? Holiday, mm-hmm. holy day. Yeah. Um, I'm sure in Spanish it's not going to be like that. Um, a holiday Because remember that holiday is not only a religious thing. Exactly. It can be any type of thing. You no, don't you, know? You stumped me. Yes! <laughs> I did it! <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to know everything. Episode but... 18, you stumped me. Yes! Holiday... Okay. I never... Wait. No, come on. I'm pretty sure that when I say it, you're going to be like... I know. When you say it, I'm going to be like, duh. All right. Go ahead. Hit me. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Holiday means día de fiesta. Día de fiesta. Day of party. Día de fiesta. Damn. You see, that's the difference. Día de fiesta versus holy day. Yeah. I mean, but... It's basically the same meaning. It's just that we cannot call a holiday every holiday because well, not all of them are holidays. Exactly. And and a national holiday is not a, a holy day as exactly. we see. It's a drinking day. It's a party exactly. day. So, I know. Yeah, no, I see that. Okay. Dia de, Dia de fiesta. Yeah. And the last one is national. Nacional. Yes. All right. Carla, I might have some for you. Oh, God. I might have some for you. 
Okay, go ahead. <laughs> he gets ready, like, okay, wait, one second. Let me, let me. Now it's my turn. Let me pull up my chair. Oh. My chair of of Spanishisms. Yeah. Spanishilidad. Spanishilidation. Um, not stump you, but so, so so some of these painters of the muralist were communists. How do you say communist? Um, comunista. Okay. <laughs> and. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on my A game today it's at okay, all. It's okay. <laughs> all right, and then also, um, a lot of these painters, their muralists, their paintings were filled with symbolism. How do you say symbolism? Symbolismo. I know. I think we covered that already. All right, fine. You win this time. Cinco de Mayo. You won the war. You won the war. Aww. All right, that wraps up another episode. Episode 18. Ready for a drink? Yeah, ready for a modelo. Oh, yeah. Maybe a couple of shots. Um, next episode is episode 19. We have a special guest. Who is our special guest? Vizine Queen. Vizine Queen's in the house. She is a cannabis influencer. influencer <laughs> and an artist. And an artist. And um, very cool person. We're going to be talking about what is the image of beauty in classical art. And on Culture Talk, we're going to be talking about colorism in Latino communities, how we see it, what is it, what is the difference between colorism and racism. And like always, we're going to be hablando español. I know, we're going to have practice this weekend, huh? 